0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Okay, we're in the middle of Galatians, part three of 10. If you have your Bibles with you, let's open up to Galatians chapter two. I'll be reading from verses one through 10. If you're able to stand, let's all rise for the reading of God's Word. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles, in order to make sure we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Thank you, Lord, for these words. Holy Spirit, would you do your work in our midst. Open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts. Help us to know you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. All right. Today's a big Sunday, right? Yeah? Is it big? Everybody ready for the, ready for the Taylor Swift concert? <laughs> right? Um, yesterday was a big day for those of us in the Asian community. Yesterday was Lunar New Year, also known as Chinese New Year, Asian New Year, Happy New Year. <laughs> right? So it was, it's, it's, it's a big holiday. And... Um, this brought back memories of uh, me going to Chinatown when I was single. So have you guys been to a dim sum restaurant? Do you guys know what dim sum is? All right. Did they used to have the dim sum restaurant in Beacon? No? Okay, well, dim sum restaurant is really neat. If you've never been there, just check it out. You can go to Chinatown. And basically how they serve the food is they have servers in this cart and they bring all kinds of food. And then you look at the food, and if you want it, they stamp a piece of paper on your table, and then at the end, you pay based on the number of stamps you have on your card. Right? And the reason why this is popular is because you get to try all kinds of foods, um, and a lot of times, the servers don't know how to speak English, right? especially the authentic dim sum places. They only speak Cantonese or Chinese, and you know I speak very little Chinese. And uh, I remember we were with a, a vegetarian friend. And so every time the car came by, especially the, 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 the dumplings, you don't know what's inside, right? So she would always ask, oh, is there meat in here? And I remember the, the server said, yes, meat. So she said, oh, no, thank you. I can't eat meat. And then without batting an eye, the server said, oh, no meat. <laughs> right? And uh, so, you know, she basically said, no, thank you. And uh, we passed on. Uh, but but that was interesting because for the server, I don't know if they have a quota that they have to meet, but, you know, the server was really pushy and uh, maybe thought she actually needed to have some meat. Um, <laughs> but for her, you know, having meat was a no-no, right? And, uh, in today's world, we we see certain things that cannot happen. You know, when I was growing up, peanut butter was just a staple. Like all the kids loved peanut butter and jelly, and so you know, nuts nuts were great. But nowadays, schools you can't even bring anything that has contains nuts in it, right? Because there are a lot of folks who are allergic to nuts. Actually, uh, I have a family member who is allergic to nuts. And more than one family member. I have, you know, nephews and nieces who are allergic to nuts. So whenever we bring a dish, uh, they would always say, make sure it is nut free. Right? And I remember one time uh, we, were, we were at a restaurant again. I guess we like, I like to go to restaurants. So we're at a restaurant again. And then they were serving pesto. Now, being Korean, we don't know how to prepare pesto, so we just thought pesto is pesto. But apparently, it's made out of nuts. And so uh, my niece made many trips in her lifetime to the ER um, because she accidentally consumed nuts. So no matter how tasty the dish looks, that sign, no nuts allowed, that has to be observed. And we need to see uh, the warning signs in our churches as well, you know. So, and speaking of churches, nowadays, um, we always tell people, you know, you need to come, come as you are, right? And I hope our church is that way as well, right? Come as you are. You don't have to dress up, right? Or you can dress up if you want to, right? Because we're not about how you look. We don't really care. We just want you to come in to the churches. So many many churches say that. Um, however, when somebody who walks in looks different than you, the reaction is a little di- different. We're still in, we're still warm. Maybe we're inviting, but inside we sometimes keep a distance. Now we don't display that, but we we make sure that we we just keep a safe distance for those who don't look alike. And actually, um, some churches are actually pretty blatant about that as well. When I was in seminary, uh, part of uh, being a seminarian was to go to different churches with different traditions, and you have to write a paper about your worship experience. So I remember I went to a church nearby my seminary. It's a well-known church. Actually, most of the seminarians attended that church. And I walked in, um, and as soon as I walked in, it was like there was a shield around me. And I sat down, and nobody talked to me. Everybody gave me a strange eye. And I was like, why? Why is that? You know? Well, I was the only one wearing a suit, <laughs> right? Everybody was you know, casually dressed. But I, I guess I look like uh, an FBI agent. <laughs> So, so when I walked in, they just kept the safe distance. Even though, you know, when I studied their website, their church was about, come as you are. We welcome. We love everybody. I did not feel the love, <laughs> right? And, you know, that, that's like a, a, a very important lesson is that it shouldn't matter how we behave, how we look, you know, when it comes to God, and the Holy Spirit, and the gospel message. It's all about what he is doing inside of our hearts. Amen? It's about the internal inside transformation. It, it has nothing to do with how you look. But culturally, churches tend to try to teach that. Hey, you need to, you know, if you, if you, um, if you want to be close to Christ... You need to kind of walk like us, look like us, smell like us. And that comes in very different ways depending on the church. Some churches, it's about theological knowledge. You need to speak and use the theological lingo, you know. And that's how we measure your spirituality. Or some would be, how many times you come to a prayer service? Some would be, can you pray in tongues, you know. And so, so we, we want them to conform and to look like us. Now, that's nothing new. That was happening during the time of Galatians. And that was a big issue for the Apostle Paul, and that's why he wrote the book of Galatians. It was such an important thing that he dropped everything to make sure that this issue was addressed. And so what is that issue? Well, the church had two different parties, They had the circumcised and the uncircumcised party. And Paul was primarily ministering to the uncircumcised folks, who are the Gentiles. And some people from Jerusalem, Peter and others, were ministering to the circumcised party. Now, when Christianity first started, this was not an issue. Why? Because Christianity was birthed out of the Jewish religion, right? So everybody was circumcised. Everybody looked, and everybody ate the same type of food. They looked the same. They smelled the same. They got it. So everything was hunky-dory until this guy named Paul went out and started preaching the gospel to the others, and now they want to join our party. I'm like, well... So what happened was the, the circumcised folks got together and said, you know, it's great that they're accepting Jesus Christ, but they need to smell like us. They need to look like us, especially when we play sports. Back then they played sports without any clothes on. And so the guys looked different. So, hey, you got to look like us. We need to circumcise you. It's in the Bible. So that was the big issue. Now, it looks like a very small thing, but it's a very big deal. Because what they were doing was they were adding stuff to Jesus Christ. And the book of Galatians is all about salvation is Jesus Christ alone. It's not Jesus plus something. But they were teaching, no, you need to observe Moses' law, plus you need Jesus. So that's what they were teaching. And now, for some of us, we may think, well, what's the big deal? That is a big deal. Because it's Christ alone we're saved. Amen? So even today, if you hear a gospel that's contrary to what you're hearing today, that's written in the Bible, then that is not the gospel. Nobody has this secret knowledge. Everything we need to know is recorded in the Bible. Amen? So let's look at our chapter today. So the Apostle Paul writes, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation. So here, the Apostle Paul is talking about how fourteen years after an event, he went up again to Jerusalem. Fourteen years after what? You know? Last time when Kyle preached out of chapter one, he talked about Paul having gone up, I believe, three years. After he encountered Jesus to Jerusalem. So, was it three years after he went up? So, is it he encountered Jesus, then he went up the first time three years after that? So, is it 14 years after that? So, is it 17 years after? Or is it 14 years after he encountered Jesus? The text is not clear. And when the text is not clear, Scholars love to take sides and debate on this. So we have volumes of stuff written about when was this. Because if it was 14 years after the, his first visit, then that was the time of Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council, which where they got together as a, and the church got together and said, we got to address this circumcised versus uncircumcised business. How do we handle that? However if it was 14 years after he had an encounter with Jesus, then that makes it during the famine visit that the Apostle Paul did, which was captured in Acts chapter 11. So two different things. Most people believe it's the Acts 15 account. However, the smarter folks who really study this believe that it's actually 14 years after the, he encountered Jesus. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, it is a big deal because the timing of things. So why did I say the smarter folks think it's before that? It's because if he went up for the Jerusalem Council, he didn't have to go into the detail of what's happening in Galatians. He could have said, "Listen, the church had spoken, right? The gospel is the same for the for the Jews and the Gentiles. Period." But he doesn't talk anything about the Jerusalem Council, which he should have, right? So he doesn't do that. Also, he says here he privately met with those who seemed influential. The Jerusalem Council was not a private meeting. It was a public meeting. So just based on a few of these, we believe that it happened, so when Paul went up for the second time, it was he was talking about Acts 11. Notice here it says he went up because of a revelation. So he is still hearing from Jesus Christ. He met Jesus, that's how you came saved. He maintained his apostleship, and he he had to defend his apostleship because he was called by Jesus to go. And here, once again, he says, I went up because of a revelation. Jesus spoke to him, and that's why he went up. He said privately, and I said earlier, those who seemed influential. That's an interesting way to describe the church leaders those who seemed influential. We'll talk more about that later. Why did Paul not just say, before the church leaders? Why did not Paul mention the names of the church leaders in Jerusalem? Well, he's very intentional in his writing, and this is because the people who are coming out, the circumcision party they were coming out saying, well, the church from Jerusalem sent us. And they're the ones who were questioning Paul's apostleship. So this is not a disrespect to those who are in leadership, but this was Paul going after the false teachers. And so why did he go up there? He said he went up there And he spoke to the church leaders there to make sure that he wasn't running or had run in vain, that the work he was doing, the work that he was called to do was the same work that they were doing, that he was preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, the same message as they were doing. I already talked about the, the, the meeting. It's interesting in the ESV, they, they put parentheses around this. It's a parenthetical statement. And we're going to find out in verse 9 that actually the, the people he met were James, the brother of Jesus, Peter, and John. So they were the church leaders that the Apostle Paul went up and talked about. And so the scholars who believe that this took place in Acts 11 believe that this was the impetus. It was this that caused the Jerusalem Council to happen years later. And what I love about Paul and what I love about ministry is you don't do ministry alone. Even though we think, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament. We think he's, he's just a super apostle. He did not do ministry alone. He could not do ministry alone. And ministry can't be done alone. We need each other. So church, I want to encourage you to look around. We need each other to do God's ministry. Amen? So Paul went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas and... Titus. It says here, But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. So Titus, who came along, was a was a Greek. He was a Gentile. And he's basically telling the churches in Galatia, Look, the church leaders did not force Titus to be circumcised. Which is interesting, because when you read Acts 16... Paul recommends to Timothy that he be circumcised for the sake of the ministry. So he was doing ministry in context. But he continues, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. Freedom and slavery. It it brings us back to the time of Egypt. They were in slavery. Moses drew them out. Before we met Jesus, we were in slavery. And through Christ... We've been set free. And it's that freedom that these false teachers are going after. Because if you lose the truth of the gospel, the freedom is gone. And what is this truth? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. That's the truth. If that truth goes away, our freedom is gone. And what's interesting is that this false gospel came in through false brothers. That means it was people within the church. It wasn't an outsider, some stranger who came in and tried to change the message of the gospel. It came from within, those in the church They were either adding something to the truth or taking something away from the truth. And boy, that happens today too, doesn't it? You see people, you see preachers who would add things to the gospel. Or there are certain preachers who would skip over the hard messages of the, of, of the Bible, and they just want to make you feel good. They're all false brothers. So we need a discerning spirit. But we need to know, foundationally, if anyone preaches, Jesus plus anything, just walk away from that church. Run away from that church. they're not preaching the gospel, whether it's people who are minimizing sin, not calling sin, sin, that's happening a lot these days, or you need to do more, you need to pray more, you need to give more, you need to come to church more. It has nothing to do with our salvation. Everything that we do needs to be a response to what Christ has done for us. So I'm not saying stop praying. Okay, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't read the Bible. But if you're reading the Bible and you're praying and you're coming to church and you're serving and you're putting money in the plate because you want to be saved, that's the wrong reason. It is because Jesus lived the life that you couldn't live. And it's because understanding that you need to be saved and Jesus Christ saved you through his death and resurrection. It is from that we respond by giving and serving. Amen? Amen. So, This is the reason why Paul had to drop everything. Because this this, this false gospel was going to change what church was all about, what Jesus was all about, what Christianity was all about. And he could not have that. Planting churches was not as important as him making sure that the churches preach The same gospel message. That was an utter importance to the Apostle Paul. And so that's why he wrote the book of Galatians. And he says, To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. The truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. He was going after this. It's not about what we do on the outside. It's everything has to do with what is Christ doing in you? What is the Holy Spirit doing in you? And if you truly get this, church, then you are set free. You're going to experience freedom in your life even when your whole world is falling apart you would f- feel freedom because Christ did the hard part so that you could do the easy part in life so the apostle Paul continues and from those who seem to be influential there it goes again there he goes again seem to be influential and then he says What they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. What is he talking about? Seemed to be influential. He's talking about the apostles. He's talking about, as I mentioned earlier, James, Peter, and John. Those who seemed important. Those who seemed like leaders. It's the appearance is what the Apostle Paul is going after. It's not about who they are. It's not about their titles. But it's about Jesus Christ. It's not about their outward appearance. And God doesn't accept on the basis of our outward appearance. Let's get that. So if we have work that we need to do inside, don't do that from the outside. Because God shows no favoritism. So the message, once again, is... Working on our outward appearance, working on what's going on outside, does not save us. It's a matter of our heart. And yet, instead of dealing with the heart issue, the core issue, we're just working on the outside. We want to make sure we look okay when we come to church. We put on a happy face. We smile because we're expected to behave a certain way when we're with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But that's not what I'm reading in the Bible. Some of us, our whole world is falling apart, and we're desperate. We're desperate for somebody to come alongside us and walk with us and pray with us And yet because of pride we're so afraid to talk about what's going on inside. Some of us have hidden sin that we know we have to deal with but we just put a layer of paint over it every day thinking that that's going to fix the problem. That's not going to fix the problem. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you surrender yourself to God and let God rescue you he will come to your rescue cry out to him let's just stop putting pain on amen yeah This is exactly what God told Samuel when he was asked to go find the next king, to anoint the next king, right? God told him, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. How does your heart look today? Do you have... Or do you need God to work in your heart? Come to Jesus. Surrender to him. Don't be a slave. Let him set you free. Trust in Jesus. Acknowledge that you need help and cry out to him. And he will come and save. And here's one of the key messages from today's text is after talking to them, those who seemed influential added nothing to me. They didn't need to add anything to what the Apostle Paul was doing. So that means the message that Paul was giving was the gospel. Because the gospel plus anything is not the gospel at all. And Paul continues, on the contrary, when we saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to be circumcised. So entrusted. The Apostle Paul was entrusted. The Apostle Paul was given responsibility. And he uses this phrase many times in the Bible. On the contrary, in First Thessalonians, he said that those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, we are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. So... Same message, two apostles, Peter and Paul. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. Peter, Paul, same message. One was for the Jews. The other was for the Gentiles. One was for the circumcised. One was for the uncircumcised. And that's the same message. The same gospel message. And now he reveals... those who seemed influential, right? James, Cephas, also known as Peter, and John. Once again, he says, they seemed to be pillars and perceived the grace that was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me. That we should go to the Gentiles and they to the uncircumcised. So the two outcomes of Paul's visit was they add nothing to his teaching, Paul, you're doing fine, and then the second thing was they extended the right hand of fellowship. They, by doing that, they acknowledged and they endorsed Paul's ministry. So once again, the gospel plus nothing, right? Jesus plus nothing is the gospel. So is Paul saying that we could ignore the Ten Commandments because all I need is Jesus? Is that what he's saying here? No. No, right? That's not what he's saying. So how are we to interpret this? What do you mean by Jesus plus nothing? So I could be a liar and still have Jesus in me? I can still be a thief. I can continue on sinning as long as I confess that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Or is it just the circumcision? But there are moral laws and there are ceremonial laws And I think that's the distinction that the Apostle Paul is making here as well. Because the ceremonial laws, that's still in the Bible. And sometimes people do ask me that. My former church, there was a congregation member, he loved the Bible, new believer, and he's reading through the Old Testament, and he goes, Pastor, we need to do all this stuff. Those are all ceremonial laws. But What was the purpose of the ceremonial laws? It was to show us. It was to to set us apart. But it was also to show us that we need Christ. I was talking to Kyle, and I'm hoping when Alpha ends that we could still use Wednesday nights to dig in and study the Bible. So we can go through the Old Testament, so we can learn about what does it mean? What is the whole point of the Old Testament? Well, the entire Bible is about Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. And his sacrifice once and for all satisfied all this. So we'll we'll learn about all that. And then there is also the moral laws as well, which are the Ten Commandments and others. And so Paul is not saying to be set free from everything, that all you need is Jesus, but it's more than that. You need Jesus, but in response, we follow his way. It's a response. And then lastly, the Apostle Paul says, that they told him, the pillars of the church, that they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing Paul was eager to do. Notice that taking care of the poor, remembering the poor, was not a requirement of salvation. But it's something that we do in response. And so this really sets the stage for next week's text, which is uh, a little preview. It's going to be a battle between Peter and Paul. You don't want to miss it. All right And if you want to read up on it, I encourage you to do so as well. but today, let's just focus on the message that Peter wrote, and I mean, Paul wrote, I'm sorry, and it's basically, the gospel is about Jesus plus nothing. Let me ask you to rise. Father in heaven, we thank you (laughs) for who you are and all that you do. Lord, we thank you for the words we read. Because of Paul's interaction with the church leaders, We still have the same gospel message. And we thank you for that that me- what that message is about. It is you, Jesus Christ, coming here on earth. You lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And you died the death that we deserve. So that through your death and resurrection... We have eternal life that our sins are completely forgiven when you died on the cross you said it is finished and you did the hard part so that we could be sons and daughters of God we thank you for that Lord help us to continue to worship you in spirit and truth today in your name we pray and all God's people said Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.